early hour of power. UFC Catholicism, I'm reporting for duty. Terry, what about you, my friend? Hey, man, brother, I'm reporting for duty, Jesse. You know, I, I just can't even imagine doing anything other than sharing the gospel with people because the benefits are out of this world. And I want to thank all of our supporters at VMPR who support us in this mission to save souls. So I thank you for that. Amen, Terry. Uh, the month of January... Holy name of Jesus, find any excuse throughout the day yep. to say the holy name of Jesus with faith, hope, and love. Couple things, Terry, on, yep. uh, on, the, on the need to know file. Some of them are good news. Sure. Uh, here's one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. <coughs> A young Catholic volunteer, Ryan Rialbuto, 23 years old, <coughs> he was killed on his way home from adoration. Yep. Can you, 23 year old kid was shot and killed. Obviously, devastating his family and a wide circle of friends and admirers yep. who remember this young man for his quiet way of life, but he put his Catholic faith in action to help those in need. Yep. This young man was from Pittsburgh, New York. <clears throat> he was five months into his, his one-year stint in the nation's capital with the Capuchin Franciscan Volunteer Corps, which is a service program for recent college graduates and other young people uh, and so this this young man probably had a vocation. Also, Arizona GOP chairman resigns, and Carrie Lake uh, over uh, amid Carrie Lake bribery allegations. So Jeff Dewitt, a rhino here in Arizona, he uh, he he says that he was set up by Mrs. Lake's team, yeah. and Mrs. Lake her campaign denies his claims in his resignation statement. And I'm glad he's gone. Another. Uh, Another swamp Pony. creature. Pony. Uh, Jeff DeWitt suggested that Mrs. Lake's team allegedly secretly recorded their conversation before leaking into the media. And he also accused her, her team of threatening to release more recordings, which he described as being taken out of context, although he provided a few details. Taken out of context. I think the whole country, anybody who's got anybody who's involved in politics, we've heard the recordings. You tried to bribe her, Jeff DeWitt, and you got caught. Yeah. Next piece of history. Uh, an unnamed priest celebrates for the first time the Latin Mass in the U.S. Capitol. Oh, yeah. Yep. The first ever TLM, traditional Latin Mass, was celebrated in the U.S. Capitol building on January 23rd, two days, two days ago, making history and sending a powerful reminder that the American government was founded on religious liberty and that Catholics are welcome there. And that was also the one-year anniversary where we discovered the FBI document against traditional Catholics. Also, Ohio bans gender-affirming care for minors. The Ohio Senate voted on Wednesday to override uh, Rhino Republican Governor Mike DeWin's veto of a bill that would ban gender transition procedures for minors and prohibit male athletes from playing on female sports teams. So it looks like the... Uh, uh, the the Senate uh, had to correct their governor. Terry, I got a couple on? one a couple here. Yeah. Uh, the Pew Research folks found out that the nuns, you know, the people who do not believe in any religion, uh, organized religion, is grown to twenty eight percent. That's uh, compared mm. to twenty three percent of the population is Catholic and twenty four percent evangelical Protestant. Protestant, but back in two thousand seven. The nuns made up only 16% of Americans. So here's my take on that, Jess. Uh, it just shows that poor catechesis leads to this because we know that 
uh, by the time a young man in the Catholic Church is 23 years of age, 87% of them are not practicing their religion. So what's the solution? Introduce them to the person of Christ. Give them good catechesis like the Baltimore Catechism that we carry here at VMPR so that they know the person of Christ. Because I I'm truly believe this, Jesse. Once people encounter Jesus Christ, mm. they're not going to want to leave him. They might fall away for a time. I get that. But they're not, they're, they're not going to want to leave him because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So that little bit of information about Pew Research, it, it really reflects on our church doing a poor job sharing the gospel with the flock. Well, Terry, uh, so let's talk about the good news which is not politics and it's not sports and not, it's not the weather. It is the, it is the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the, uh, the message that never gets old. As St. Augustine says about the gospel, he says, ever ancient, ever new. Mark chapter 6, verse 15 to 18, Jesus appeared to the eleven and said to them, go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. In fact, let me stop there. St. Anthony took that so serious <laughs> that he preached to fish. That's right. He went out. He was so upset because people weren't listening. People were, had a very hard heart. And so he went out to the beach one day and he started saying, well, God says to preach to all creatures. He began power preaching in the beach. Can you imagine this? I love it. <laughs> and what happened? The fish came up to the surface. Thousands of fish came up to the surface and then out of the water, and they were fluttering with their fin. They were fluttering thousands of fish, and they were his audience. Yeah. As he was preaching to the fish, once he stopped, they all uh, submerged back into the water. Uh, and the gospel says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. There it is. You want to get to heaven? you got to believe in Jesus Christ and his gospel and be baptized. Not either or, it's both and. It's not, well, I don't have to be baptized. Yes, you do. Baptism is necessary. It's not optional. And it says, These, uh, uh, whoever does not believe will be condemned. Ooh, that's not popular. Can you imagine uh, in an ecumenical gathering with Hindus and, and people from other religions and Buddhists? And if you don't believe in Jesus, you'll be condemned. What? <laughs> You can't say that. Well, that's what the Bible says. It's the full gospel. We can't be particular <laughs> leaning on one. You know, that's the gospel. You can't <laughs> believe. Yeah. These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. Look at that power has been given to the church through the apostles. Yep. They will speak new languages. So that's, that's the, the, the gift of tongues. When you look at it traditionally, it's not people talking like a baby. That's not what it is. The gift of tongues, when you look at uh, the Catholic encyclopedia, and, and, and other academic works, the fathers of the church, the apostles spoke in their language and people understood in their language. Syrian, Cretans, Arabs. They understood as the Jews, the apostles were speaking in Hebrew or Aramaic, they understood in their language. That was the gift of languages. Not uh, oftentimes what you see in, in a, some type of charismatic prayer meeting where everybody, a lot of people are just faking it, Terry. I'm just going to say it. Yeah, I said it. They're faking it. Psychological manipulation to back a baby. That's not the gift of tongues. I'm sorry. I continue. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. That's, that actually happened to St. Paul in the book of Acts. 
He picked up a snake. Nothing happened to him. That, that was actually fulfilled in St. Paul's life. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Uh, we call that the anointing, the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. But also, it doesn't mean that God can't even use a person uh, to heal another person. I'll tell you what happened to me. I, I, I share this story very often. I almost dropped dead six years ago. I had a, uh, a, a saddle pulmonary embolism, both lungs, uh, 90% blockage in both lungs. Wow. I, need to, I was working out in the yard. My wife saw me. And it was a, like 110 degrees. And I said, get inside. Look at the way you're breathing. I guess I was like hyperventilating. So I went inside. She goes, sit down. You're not going to work out there in that. Uh, uh, with, stay inside. I can hear she, gave me a, she gave me a glass of water. I don't want to argue there because. Of course you're not going to argue. Because you could tell when your wife is right, you're not going to argue. She submits to my authority, but I knew I was wrong. You know, at my age, you know, pick and shovel, working in 110 degree weather in, in Phoenix, Arizona. I, so she was right. So. I still was hyperventilating in beautiful air conditioned home of mine and drinking water. And I, and I still was hyperventilating. She goes, we're going to the doctor. We're going to the doctor. Long, long, short of it, Gilbert Mercy Medical Hospital. They do an x-ray on me and, and a CT scan. They go, they told my wife, they said, they go, your husband has 90% blockage in both lungs. He's got a saddle pulmonary embolism. We've got to rush him to ICIU and we've got to pump his body with anticoagulants. They go, uh, so they, they told her, if, if you would have brought him back, brought him one day longer, he'd be dead. Yep. He would have dropped dead at home. They take me in ICU. And so I was in a state of grace. I mean, I went to mass that morning. I went to confession like a few days before I did my morning prayers. So I'm like, they're, they're hooking me up with all these IVs and stuff up my nose and down my mouth. And Anita's right there next to me and she's crying and stuff. And they're whisking me off to my room. And I'm like, yeah. Praise God. I said, Jesus, here I come. Little purgatory time. I get that. But, oh, man, I've been waiting for this day. Here I come. And so I'm praying my rosary real slowly in my mind. Yeah. You know, just go. I'm like, I have my brown scapular on. I am ready. Like, man, I'm, you know, good to go. Yeah. Did an act of contrition slowly. And, you know, when you're about to die, it's easy to do a perfect act of contrition because it'll be your last one. So, like, I did it a slow, thoughtful act of contrition, get to the room. The doctor tells Anita, he says, uh, hope, hopefully it's not too late. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll come back in a few hours and we'll do another CT scan. Anita stood, she, I ain't going home. I'm going to sleep in that couch. And you know what she did? Tell us. She put her hand on my chest. The man is the head of the home. The wife is the heart of the home. She put her hand on my heart, over my heart. And Anita prayed for hours over me. Wow. And she was crying yep. and praying, well, You're my father, Lord. He's my husband. Please remove this embolism. I'm begging you. I went to sleep. I woke up. She's still praying. I went to sleep. <laughs> I woke up three hours later. She's still praying for me and crying. Oh, my gosh. I'll well, tell you what happened yeah, to the other on, side. On the other side of the break, we got to yeah. hear the rest of that one. Yeah. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. Thank you, Jesus, for keeping Jesse alive for these past six years. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. Jess is telling us an amazing story. Six years ago, I didn't realize it was six years, man. It went by fast. And where Jesse almost lost his life, he's in the middle of telling a story with Anita praying with, for him in a hospital bed. Continue, Jesse. I'm at the edge of my chair. 
I'm at, it was actually, yeah, it was, it was uh, June 20th, uh, 2016. So I'm admitted to Mer- uh, uh, Mercy Gilbert Medical Hospital, shortness of breath. Yeah. Uh, they took uh, x-rays of me, yeah. and uh, they said, uh, y- the, he, your husband has a saddle pulmonary embolism, 90% blockage in both his lungs. Wow. We have no idea. They, they actually said, we're surprised he's alive. They rushed me into the in, into the ICU. They put all kinds of wires and and all kinds of gadgets in me and poking me all over the place. And I'll tell you what, I was just right there on my back. My wife is you know following me everywhere in the hospital. You know, and, and I was doing my act of contrition. I'm doing the the rosary, the divine mercy. The, I was at peace. Uh-huh. So we get to the room, and I've gotten a confession. I was in a state of grace. So. So when I'm in the hospital room, I have all these attachments in my body, you know, IVs and the doctors, they left and they looked into my, and, and when I looked at my, she was very sad. Yeah. She was very sad. And I thought, man, I'm on, I'm on, I'm going to drop dead. I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Well, my wife, I remember I said, I need to, don't worry, I'm ready to go. She goes, you ain't going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> she put her hand on my heart and started praying over and over and i remember specifically she was praying healing prayers and she was praying specifically lord you're my father and i'm your daughter and this is your son and i need him i need him and lord i'm asking you to dissolve the 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 clots uh the 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 clots in his in his lungs i ask you to dissolve them and i ask you so she's praying specifically matthew 7 cent precision and prayer as father ripperger says and so she's praying for hours I, i i at least three hours she was praying for me. I went to sleep. The next morning when I woke up, the doctors came in, two doctors, pulmonary doctors. They, they, they examined me again and they took a CT scan of me again. It was about eight hours after. I remember one doctor fell on his chair and dropped my chart. Wow. And the other doctor slapped his forehead, went like this. Wow. So I'm saying, uh-oh, uh-oh. It looked good. It doesn't look good. They saw something. Then one doctor looked at me and my wife says, what happened here last night? I said, what do you mean? What are you talking about? He said, you have 90% of the embolism is gone. Wow. You've only got 10% blockage left. Both doctors <laughs> with a combined experience of about 40 years. as They said, this is impossible. There's no medication on planet Earth that can dissolve blood clots in eight hours. None. We have nothing in the world that does this. It takes about three weeks of constant drip, drip, drip to get to where you're at right here. What happened last night? I said, it's her fault. I pointed <laughs> out. Anita. I said, talk to her. I said, what do you mean? I said, she talked to Jesus last night. Okay. That's what. The doctors looked at her and said, what happened? They go, she says, I asked the Lord Jesus Christ to heal him. And I guess he listened. I guess he heard my what prayer. A witness. Yeah, my wife told the doctor, she goes, because me and my husband, we actually believe that Jesus Christ is the divine physician. <laughs> Both that. doctors looked at me and Anita and they told me, they said, pulmonary embolisms, we don't want to tell you last night, this is a widow maker. This is an absolute widow maker. She said, they told her, whatever, whoever you talked to last night and did this to your husband, keep on talking to him. <laughs> yeah. And I'm here six years later. I should, uh, or seven years later, I should be dead right now. But uh, the power of prayer. Thank you, Jesus. A- and see, my wife laid hands. Notice, here's something important catechetically. Yeah. 
Notice Anita didn't lay hands on my head. No. You know why? She's not my pastor. She's not my priest. She's not my dad. She, has, she doesn't have spiritual authority over me. Notice where she put my hand. She put her hand on my heart. Why? Venerable Pius XII. The man is the head of the home. The woman is the heart of the home. Yep. And so my wife understands that one of her jobs is to guard my heart as, as, as my wife. And, 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 and also what's important is, important is that 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 4, and she understands this. because uh, In the sacrament of, ma of marriage, Anita's body belongs to me and my body belongs to her. So what that means is that I have the power to bless her body because it belongs to me, 1 Corinthians 7, 4, and I have the power to bind evil spirits from attacking her body. She has the same, because of the sacrament of marriage, there's a reciprocity. She has the power to bless me and she has the power to bind evil spirits that may be tormenting me. And so uh, all I can tell you, uh, I know the power of prayer. Wow, what a great story. Jesse, I'm, I'm already taken back. We, we're, we're okay, because that, <laughs> that story always blows me away. Um, I want to just, I, I get off my topic, man. That was awesome. I just want to bring back to us that this yeah. segment that we have right now, we have sponsors. It's Tan Books. Go to vmpr.org. Click on the Tan Book logo to shop for all your local book needs. Shop Tan Books for clicking on the logo on our website, vmpr.org. That way, they're giving a guest a, a little donation to help us in our work here. Jess, um, today's the Feast of St. Paul. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is special. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm so enthralled in the story. Did we ever read the gospel, bro? Yeah, yeah, we read the gospel, but we could talk about St. Paul. What about St. Paul? Because this is, yeah, some yeah. people's one of their favorite feast days. Okay. I know Doc, Scott, Dr. Scott Hahn loves the feast of St. Paul. He named his organization the St. Paul Center. Center, yeah. Okay, there's two readings today at Holy Mass. I'll, I'll pick one of the readings on, on, on St. Paul. Yeah. Acts chapter 22, mm -hmm. verse uh, 3 to 16. Paul addressed the people in these words, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia. But brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, I was educated strictly in our ancestral law and was zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way to death. That's the Catholic Church. It was called the way back then. Binding both men and women and delivering them to prison. Even the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify on my behalf, for from them I even received letters to the brothers and set out for Damascus to bring back to Jerusalem in chains for punishment, those there as well. So he set out to arrest Catholic Christians and he, and he had a mandate to do so on that journey. As I drew near to Damascus and that's in Syria, by the way, that's in modern day Syria about noon, a great light fell from the sky suddenly shone around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I replied, who are you, sir? And he said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene whom you are persecuting. My companion saw the light, but did not hear the voice of the one who spoke to me. I asked, what shall I do, sir? The Lord answered me, get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told about everything appointed for you to do, since I could see nothing because of the brightness of that light. <laughs> Who's he seeing? He's seeing Jesus Christ. And remember St. Paul calls Jesus in, in, in the book of 2 Timothy. He says that Jesus, uh, uh, he's, he's the God who dwells in unapproachable light. 
unapproachable light. And the book of Malachi calls Jesus the son, S-U-N, the son of righteousness. We go on to say, since I could not see anything because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by my companion and entered Damascus. A certain Ananias, by the way, I looked him up. Ananias was a bishop of, uh, of that location of, uh, uh, of Damascus. So people say, well, Jess, you say that lay people can't lay hands on other lay people. Uh, 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 Ananias laid hands on Paul. That's one lay person. No, it isn't. Look at the tradition. I looked it up. Okay. Uh, Ananias was a Catholic, was a the, yeah, he's the Eastern Catholic bishop of Damascus. And so it's a bishop laying hand on a, on a lay person. St. Paul was a lay person at the time. A certain Ananias, a devout observer of the law and highly spoken of all Jews who lived there, came to me and stood there and said, Saul, my brother, regain your sight. And at that very moment, I regained my sight and saw him. Then he said, the God of our ancestors designated you to you to know his will, to see the righteous one. And to hear the sound of his voice, for you will be his witness before all to what you have seen and heard. Now, why delay? Get up and have yourself baptized and your sins washed away. Calling upon his name, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A lot of, lot of meat there, Terry. Yeah. Uh, Saul of Tarsus was born into a, a wealthy family. He was a well-Jewish a well family. He was a Roman citizen. Uh, his name was Saul before his conversion. He was sent to Jerusalem to be trained by the greatest rabbi called Gamaliel. And in addition to studying the law and the prophets, he also learned a trade. He was a tent maker. So young, young Saul chose his trade of tent making and he was brought up in Orthodox Judaism. And, uh, but when he was still at home, he also was well read in like the Hellenistic, uh, you know, uh, the Greek literature. So he was a highly educated person. So this was strategic that the Lord would take this highly educated Jewish mind who also understood Greek thought. And he appeared to him and gave him what Kyle Clements says, the prick of conscience, <laughs> yeah, prick of conscience or yeah. what? Yeah. Or, and he did give him, he, he infused him with knowledge, infused him with knowledge. And, and St. Paul was blind for three days. And then he went away for about three years, I forget, in the desert. I think Arabia. He went and he was quiet. He lived a monastic life for three years, just kind of taking it all in. Then after three years of quietness, as a convert, he went to Jerusalem to check out his doctrine. It says in Galatians chapter 2, he went to visit Peter, James, and John. He says basically to check out, make sure that what I'm teaching is, what, is the deposit of faith. Uh, what, what's interesting about St. Saint, Saint Paul is that the great writers talk about the the three phases of the interior life of conversion. Mm -hmm. You got the purgative phase, you got the illuminative phase, you got the unitive phase. Saul of Tarsus went through the purgative phase when he was knocked off his horse. God showed him, you're a sinner and, and, you, and you need a savior. You need to get right with God. That was his purgative phase. He's knocked off the horse. He realizes, man, I've been wrong. There's more to, Phari to, to Judaic Phariseeism God has a son and he's my savior and I've been persecuting his people. So he went through that, that change of thought, that change of mind, that purgative, like I'm a sinner. Here's the savior. I've encountered him. I need him. Then Paul spent years, first of all, three days being blind in silence. Then three years in silence where he went through the illuminative stage. He's studying. He's praying. 
he's reflecting on Judaism and how it harmonizes with this mm-hmm. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That he spent time in the illumination phase. And of course, God was superimposing infused knowledge into him because he was an incredible, brilliant intellect. By the end of his life, Terry, he reached the highest form of, 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 of uh, the interior life, the unitive phase. The doctors of the church say, this is when a soul is so united to Christ. They've, they've shed themselves from every, all the creature comforts and they've, they all, there's complete self-detachment. And you can tell St. Paul reached it because he says things like in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Galatians 2.20, I live now by, the, by my faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. That's the unitive stage of Christianity. Paul reached it. St. Paul, pray for us. Wow. Hey, just a recommendation. Consider reading the book of Romans by St. Paul. It's an appropriate book to read today. Stay with us. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back, Jesse. Thanks for that story about you and Anita. Uh, it's very inspiring to see something like that. Uh, never get tired of hearing that. Uh, this segment today, uh, the second segment is going to be brought to you by Real Estate for Life. If you want to buy or sell a house, go to vmpr.org, click on the Real Estate for Life what they do is they give us a referral fee. It doesn't come from you buying the house or selling the house. It's just another way to support us by that. Jess, I want to bring the smartest guy into the room right now, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Full Sheen ahead. You know, a lot of times I can just picture heaven, but you were just talking about it in the last segment. Jess, can you imagine the souls that are going to be in heaven, the saints, that we're going to actually going to meet St. Thomas Aquinas? I mean, give me a break. That gets me excited, okay? Uh, You know, obviously I want to be with our Lord, but I mean, just the holy people that I, you know, that help me get to know Jesus Christ better. Mm. Okay, well, we've got a quote. Bishop Strickland has a a tweet on Benedict XVI, and I think it's inspirational for us to be praying for our shepherds. He said this. This is what Benedict said. As one sees the power of the Antichrist spreading... Yeah. Wow. One can only pray that the Lord will give us mighty shepherds to defend his church against the power of evil in this hour of need. Jesse, that right there says, gives our marching orders as lay people. We need to be praying for our shepherds that they will stand up to the Antichrist and to the evil that's going on. Are we doing that? Well, that message right there made me think even more to remember to pray for our shepherds because... They're not going to do well without prayer support. Amen. Terry, yesterday we talked a little bit about uh, right the, catech- the catechetical traditions. Yep. And I just want to end up by just mentioning that a new catechism has come out that's... that's uh, Bishop Snyder's. Yeah, Bishop Snyder's called Compendium of the Catholic Faith, Credo, P- Compendium of the Catholic Faith. Yeah. He's got a bunch of bishops that have approved it. Uh, and again, it's, uh, it's, he wrote it, he says, because he wants to cut through the widespread confusion... And guide people in the changeless, timeless teachings of the church. And here's what he's did. He says, as you read the article, yeah. he brought up, uh, he, he, he sticks to the tradition of the church. Right. So it's consistent with all the, the prior catechisms that have been coming out since the Council of Trent and such. But then he also adds things because, for example, in modern times, for example, in, 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 the, in the Roman Catechism of the Council of Trent, 
they only have two Marian dogmas there. Right. Why? Because that catechism was put was written way before the third and fourth Marian dogma. That's right. And so he's updated. His catechism is like taking the Roman catechism from the Council of Trent and updating things that that weren't there because they still they still weren't understood there. Right. And for example, he'll have things that uh, that pertain to things that didn't happen at Trent, like what uh, euthanasia, contraception. Those things weren't issues during the Council of Trent. Stem cell research. So his catechism takes the best of the contemporary and answers it, but it also keeps the best of the tradition. So this catechism credo, uh, it, it's uh, it, I'm, I'm finding a lot of Catholics. It's it's thin. It's not that thick either. It's not as thick as the 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 uh, the new catechism. Right. And so uh, I think it's going to help a lot of people because I'll, I'll tell you one of the things that has people scratching their head. And I don't want to be a, you know, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but the new catechism that came out, the first edition that came out, I remember the Vatican, they had to go and and, and uh, redo the first one because uh, there was an error, I think, in the first one, or it was, was it Switzerland, Terry? Some, one of the European countries, they printed an error. Yeah, and so, and so we had to get a second edition. Yeah, I got the second edition. It's the green one. It's the green yeah. cover. Yep. And that's the one that that's the one that's basically the under you know Pope John Paul II, and that's the one that I use when I use the New Catechism, and I'll tell you why. And there's there's something that it's 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 concerning to a lot of us, is because the New Catechism under Pope Francis, it keeps it keeps going through an evolution, yes. and that's not good, Terry. Uh, not good for the faith. That's not good. The New Catechism. Every couple of years keeps on changing and they're making modifications. And so the average lay Catholic, Terry, they're not in the know. No. They can't keep up with the changes. And so as a result, it's, 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 there's a lot of people that are saying, wait a minute. Well, what can, you know, I'll make it simple. I'll tell you what, you know, what catechism you want to get, get the Baltimore catechism, get Credo, get B Bishop Athanasius catechism. Uh, those are not going to change. Right. And so that that's all I wanted to say about that. I want to mention something else that I didn't know much about. I've heard it. I know Terry, you know a lot more about this because yeah. you, uh, you're just, you've been around longer in, in the battle than I have. I probably came up about 10 years after you, mm -hmm. but I didn't know much about a thing called the pact of the catacombs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and, and I've heard about it. Got a little short article from George, George Neumeyer, rest in peace, mm -hmm. great Catholic journalist. And he says a few things that I didn't know, and I just want to share it with the audience sure. be before we... Hey, Jess, let me just mention one yeah. thing before on that Baltimore Catechism. Yeah. Uh, it's a plug. We have a Baltimore Catechism in my hand from Tan Books. I have like four or five mm. copies upstairs. Mm. If anybody wants to get a copy, we're happy to sell it to you. You can call 877-526-2151. But about a year or two ago, my wife and I and Richard, our engineer, did a 12-week course... It was a convert course for the Anglican Ordinariate. And basically anybody who went through that course at the time would be baptized a Catholic by taking this, this short course. And our book was the Baltimore Catechism number four. So <laughs> if you want to watch it, it's free. Just go to YouTube, which is our, our full Sheen Ahead YouTube channel, and you can watch these teachings. What do they we type did. in? What do they type in? They just type in a catechism class. Yeah. I think that's what they do. And they'll correct me, Richard, if I'm wrong, my engineer. But 
We have thousands and thousands of people watching this class, and it's all about the fundamentals of the faith, and it's the Baltimore Catechism. You can't go wrong. All right, let's get over to this uh, catacomb pack that was done. The... The around the time George Meyer writes around the time of Vatican II, a group of socialist bishops signed a secret manifesto called the Pact of the Catacombs. Yep. It, it received this name from having been signed at a church near the historic catacombs in Rome. In the book that uh, George Newmeyer, rest in peace, wrote called The Political Pope, he argues that the Pact of the Catechisms for, foreshadows the pontificate of Pope Francis. Yep. He says, consequently, I wasn't surprised to learn that a collection of bishops and cardinals participating in the Pan-Amazon Synod met to renew and commemorate the Pact of the Catacombs this past week. He wrote this a few years ago. These clerics had been planning the Pan-Amazon Synod for years. Indeed, most of the 40 signatories of the Pact of the Catacombs were their predecessors from Latin America. According to the text of the Pact of the Catacombs, the bishops pledged to, to politicize the Catholic Church for the sake of ushering in the advent of another social order. The pact read like something like a club of adolescents, <laughs> socialists, might have cobbled together. We will do our utmost so that those responsible for our government and for our public services, they wrote, make and put into practice laws, structures, and social institutions required by justice and charity, equality, and harmonic and holistic development of all men and women, and by this means bring about the advent of another social order worthy of the sons and daughters of mankind and of God. <clears throat> uh, he quotes uh, Brother Heisterhoff, who says, it had the odor of communism, close quote, as he explains to a reporter. He says it also had the odor, now, ubiquitous at the Synod of the, U of the UN style. Brave New World totalitarianism, for how else could such an order be created without international governmental government bodies squelching freedom? It's no coincidence that the German bishops who are largely running and financing the synod, the relief agency has spent millions of dollars on travels for Indian activists, observers, and propaganda, have over the years been the loudest proponents of the Pact of the Catacombs. They call the, to, they call it to turn the church into a socialist arm of the United Nations. Mm -hmm. After the election of Pope Francis, German Cardinal Walter Casper, among other figures, immediately drew attention to the pact. Casper described the election of Francis as its vindication. The church, he gushed, had finally embraced a pope who embodied its socialist spirit. It was forgotten, Casper said to the reporter David Gibson, but now Francis brings it back. His program is to a high degree what the catacomb pact was all about. The program from the start included the Pan-Amazon Synod, which is nothing more than a pretext to unite the church and the United Nations in a power grab against Brazil and other Latin American countries where the Amazonians reside. Rome, as I can attest from my visit to it, says George Neumeyer, is crawling with UN officials such as Jeffrey Sachs, yep. who seek to use the church to turn the Amazonians' regions into NGOville, as it were, Amazing. so that they can push the radical environmentalist and socialist projects. It was the three-quarters of German Latin American Cardinal Claudio Humes who whispered in Pope Francis's ear upon his election, quote, don't forget the poor, close quote. The socialist conceit that led uh, uh, Pope Francis to name himself after St. Francis of Assisi. Cardinal Humes, of course, showed up for the renewal of the Pact of the Catacombs on Sunday, according to the aforementioned report. And Cardinal Humes is the chief organizer of the Pan-Amazon Synod. Uh, 
I'll go to the next paragraph. Under previous popes, <laughs> a canonization movement for a creep like uh, the guy named uh, Dominican Haider Camara, a Brazilian archbishop, would have been unthinkable. He, yeah, he was a socialist. He was a revolutionist. Yeah. But under Pope Francis, whose congregation for the causes of the saints stunned conservatives and delighted liberals in 2015 by quickly approving a request that the canonization process for Archbishop Camera had opened up. Yeah, this guy was an open socialist. He, he actually said this. He said, quote, I respect priests with rifles on their shoulders. Wow. I never said I never said that to use weapons against an oppressor is immoral or anti-Christian. Well, uh, Pope Francis uh, really admires Archbishop Camera. And, and Pope Francis remembers him. Uh, George Neumar writes that they have much in common. Addressing the Brazilian bishops in Rio de Janeiro in July 2013, Francis recalled all those names and faces which have indelibly marked the journey of the church in Brazil and listed Dom Helder among them, this uh, archbishop that they want to canonize. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's pretty much it, Terry. Hey, that's why we're praying for our leaders, because we've been set yep. up, and we need to go to supernatural <laughs> grace, because humanly speaking, we're sunk. But we know yeah. supernaturally we win. We know the end of the story. Amen. Stay with us. We're going to talk about what you can do to keep your faith strong in these times, as Pitt Benedict talked about, this evil age of the Antichrist. That's what he said. I agree with him. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back indeed, Jesse. This is my favorite segment. It's going to be sponsored by Charity Mobile. And when you're shopping for a phone company, folks, why not choose one that's pro-life? Call 877-474-3662. And mention Virgin Most Powerful Radio to support the show. Jess, this is what it's all about. Problem, solution. And Here's the solution. Go ahead. I'll, give, I'll it. give it to you. Yeah. I'm going to give you a, a six-point solution. Okay. Number one, focus on your personal walk with the Lord. Amen. Focus on your prayer life, your interior life, your sacramental life. They must be strong. Yep. Stronger than ever or you're, lo- you're useless to the mystical body of Christ, you're useless to your family, and you're useless to your country. Number two, focus on your domestic church, your spouse, your children, your grandchildren. Continue to inform them. Be a good role model. Evangelize them. Catechize them. Encourage them. Pray for them. We must save our families beyond anything else. That's the first order of business according to Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And St. Paul in Acts 16, 31 tells the Philippian jailer, he says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your family will be saved. Number three, be an influencer. Everybody has a certain network, certain specific social contacts, a unique family and set of friends. Evangelize them catechize them inform them encourage them in their faith walk be a good role model live a life of virtue and teach them how to vote to promote the common good in the culture of life this is an election year number four don't be discouraged by the enormity of the task that lies ahead of us say mother Teresa of calcutta recognized that her efforts and those of her fellow sisters of charity were in her own words she said this quote 
Our efforts are a drop in a vast ocean of need. Close quote. But guess what? St. Mother Teresa never wavered, and her legacy lives on today. Remember, Edward Everett Hale once said, he was a statement, statesman who died in the 20th century. He says, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I will do. So remember, Catholics, stay the course, use your talents, do your best, and stay in your lane. Number five, at the end of the day, remember, God's in control. He's not asleep. This is his world. He loves everybody in this planet. This is his Catholic church, his bride, and his divine providence is guiding the church through these rough waters right now for what? For vinyl victory. As St. Padre Pio says, pray, hope, and don't worry. Worry is useless. God is merciful, and God will hear your prayer. I recall a story about Pope St. John the 23rd. Uh, after a, a long work day at the Vatican, when the, when the day ended, it was said that he ended every single night with a simple eight-word prayer. People would come and tell him the problems of the church, and he would say his, his final prayer at night, quote, It's your church, God. I'm going to bed. I love it. Remember, remember that. Don't take all the problems of the church and country on your shoulders. Give them to God. He has big shoulders, bigger than anybody else. And guess what? God's going to be up all night anyways. He doesn't go to sleep. <laughs> and finally, yeah. number six. This verse to me, it captures the uniqueness of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in Matthew chapter 17, verse eight. It reads this way. It says this, quote, When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Remember, Peter, James, and John at the Mount of Transfiguration, they saw Elijah, our Lord, and, uh, and Moses. They looked down. They looked up again. The only one they saw was Jesus. What is that teaching us? Something I mention often, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. The author and finisher of our faith. No matter what happens, as the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, trust in him. Trust in him. And remember, you're saying, man, but I feel beat up and I feel tempted right now. And I feel like I'm going through these trials. The Bible says, here's the promise of God in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God's promise. It says, quote, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And God will not let you be tempted beyond your strength. But with the temptation will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Done, Terry. Six-point well, plan. I, and Jesse, I'm going to add one other from a saint. St. Maximilian Colby, one of my favorite saints. I'm a, a member of the Knights of the Immaculata. He said this right at the a time communism took place in 1917. He said, modern times are dominated by Satan. And will be more in so, so in the future. He's spot on. hundred years later. Mm -hmm. The conflict with hell cannot be engaged by men, even the most clever. The Immaculata alone has from God the promise of victory over Satan. However, assumed into heaven, the mother of God now requires our cooperation. Just what Jesse was talking about. She seeks souls 
who will consecrate themselves entirely to her, who will become in her hands an effective instrument for the defeat of Satan and the spreading of God's kingdom upon the earth. Well, here comes that, Jesse. This is what the answer is. Its name is Jesus Christ. Our lady's role is to bring us to her son, and that's what she's doing right now. So, you know what? If you're not praying the rosary, you're not, you're not on the team. We've got to start praying the rosary, the peace plan. We've got to. And you know what, Jesse? I gave some bad information earlier in the first segment. That catechism of the Baltimore Catechism that we still have four or five copies to, to promote, that class is called Life is Worth Living because okay. I took Bishop Sheen's convert course and implemented it with the Baltimore Catechism mm. number four. It's a one-two punch. It's free to watch. People all over the world are watching this because they're looking for answers. Well, Bishop Sheen has them from Life is Worth Living and the Baltimore Catechism number four. You can get it and the price is free. You just go on to our YouTube channel, Full Sheen Ahead. Jesse, those points that you just made fire me up. I, I started thinking about today. and I'm going, man, we're in a heap of trouble. But you know what? We got a heap of help with our blessed Lord and our blessed mother, St. Joseph and all the angels and saints. Hey, we got this covered. You know what? It's a personal question of holiness. Do we want to embrace the world or Jesus Christ? And I hope you pick Jesus Christ because that's what we encourage every day here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Terry, you've taught me a lot about guardian angels. Can you tell people the importance of, oh, of praying their guardian angel every day? Why don't you throw me a softball, dude? Especially at a time like right now. Yeah, well, we got to have our collaboration with the guardian angel, especially from right now. Just okay, and because we need help, and our guardian angel's role is to get us to heaven. For example, when Jesse was sick, the guardian angel's there. Get your active contrition out. He's inspiring him to pray. This is the role. And right now, we're living in a world that acts like God doesn't exist. So we need to bring the presence of God moment by moment into our life. And our guardian angel will do just that. Now, Mr. Engineer just sent me this, Jesse. Nebraska baby heads home after being the smallest infant to survive at a hospital. What a great way to end wow. a show. Praise the Joyful. Lord. Joyful. Guitarist from Smith's calls yeah. for a trunk. Okay, I got it. This... 24 weeks old, coming home. You know what Mr. Biden just said this, wow. that he wants his administration to win the next election. You know why? He said, I want to kill more babies. Now, he said, I'm willing to kill the babies up till birth. Those were his words. Pray for his conversion. But please, don't, don't vote for a man who's going to want to murder future citizens of our country and of the world. Let's, not, let's knock this off. How? Well, by voting with your Catholic conscience. You know, I'm not going to say the next, the other guy's, you know, perfect, a saint. But you know what? i got to say something about Biden. Anybody <laughs> but him, okay? I'm sorry, I had to say that's, that. That's where I'm at. Anybody but him. He's the worst president in the history of the United States. Of 46 presidents, the oh, absolute hands worst, down. Terry. Hands down. hands down. Nobody's even close. Yep. You know what? I want to end on a high note. Let's do it. Uh, I'm a nobody that wants to tell anybody that there's somebody named Jesus yep. who could save everybody. Right. And guess what? We inspire yep. to, we aspire to inspire <laughs> until we expire. And as we're inspiring you, who knows, we may even perspire. Hey, <laughs> hey. I love it. Hey, trust hey. in God, people. Trust in God and pray the rosary every day. This is a great time to be Catholic. Yep. Remember, we know that we're on the winning side. God is not dead. Nietzsche's dead. Exactly. Both, God's not even tired. Nah. 
And, you know, Jesse, that's what we do here with the crisis in the culture, in the church. How do we keep our faith strong? This is something we have to do every day. Ask Jesus Christ for more faith every day. If you're not doing that, you're going down. I really mean that. We've got to entrust our, our whole life to Jesus Christ and ask him every day, Jesus, I do what your will. What do you want me to do today in serving my family and as a holy man of God? If you're a woman, holy woman of God, child, I want Jesus. That's the, that's the message we have for the world. Jesus Christ is king of the entire universe. And we don't, we don't acquiesce to anybody other than Jesus Christ as our king because the government doesn't give rights. God gives rights. Let's make sure we all have that understanding. So who's going to do that for us? It's Jesus Christ. That's why we're not depressed because of the circumstances, because our faith is in Jesus Christ. That's right. And remember that in the end, when it's all said and done, yeah. we have the certainty that truth We'll triumph. we'll triumph over lies. Amen. We know that light will triumph over darkness. Amen. We know that good will triumph over evil. Amen. So stand firm, Catholics, and pray your rosaries every day. Go to Mass as often as possible. Live in a state of grace. Penance, 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 especially on Fridays. And remember, go to confession at least once a month. No matter what happens. Oh, yeah, and read your Bible every day. Read oh, yeah. your Bible every day. Oh, yeah. No matter what happens, no matter how this battle turns out, we know that Christ the King wins the war forever. He is our hope. <laughs> Jesus Christ heals. Jesus Christ saves. Amen. Jesus Christ sets us free. Jesus Christ came to save the lost, the last, and the least. Wow, you get me pumped, Jess. I love it. I love it. Folks, remember this that we are called to live in the state of grace. And remember this too, that time before our Eucharistic King brings peace to our soul. You want peace? Go visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And remember what Our Lady of Fatima said, that souls are going to hell. Yes, there's a hell. They're going there. And she said, because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices, step it up, let's pray for the conversion of sinners. That's our role. Don't sit on the sidelines, man. Get, in, get engaged in the battle for souls. Because remember, if souls are saved, everything is saved, everyone. But if souls aren't saved, nothing is saved. That's, what we do. That's our mission here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And I want to thank you for allowing Jess Romero, myself, and all the whole staff to go and proclaim Jesus Christ in season and out of season. May God richly bless you and your family. God bless you.